Welcome to Full Funnel Marketing, a podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketers and founders become masters of their craft. Welcome to the Full Funnel Marketing Podcast. Uh, today I have Stafo Teampont with me. Uh, Stafo, before we get into all this marketing stuff, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? How did you get here yeah. today? Yeah. So you've probably heard about Harvard. I've never I've been heard there. about it. I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> Before I was doing marketing, actually what I was doing, I was doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu full-time. So that meant um, I trained six to eight hours every day, and I slept in the gym on the mats, uh, and I traveled all across um, the planet to go fight. Um, that was pretty cool for me at the time. But at a certain point, I wanted to do something where I feel I'm helping other people right. instead of just helping myself get better at Ch- choking, people. choking people out. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, so then... After, after like shutting that down, I just went into the cave, or basically my mom's basement, and I started reading every marketing blog I could find, reading all the books, and I started experimenting with whatever I could. And that's when I started my Facebook group called The Marketing Family. And just, I was just sharing everything I was learning every day. And just, just from that, I started to build a following, and that's how, that's how everything got started for me. Right, right. So you didn't have any like marketing-related studies no. or... It was all practice, basically. Yeah, absolutely nothing. And, and sometimes I feel a little bit like, oh, shit, I should know this word or that word. <laughs> so I'm Googling all the time, trying to figure out all the words so I don't look too stupid when I'm doing podcasts like this, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us a little bit about the marketing family. What are you guys doing? You're an agency. Yeah. What services do you provide for, for whom, basically? Yeah. So what our agency does is it's a holistic approach to lead generation but purely on LinkedIn. So what we do is we take CEOs and founders and we turn them into LinkedIn thought leaders, but with a strong emphasis on also generating leads. So we make sure that we're creating relevant, impactful content that is interesting to their ideal customer profile. And then we use all sort of strategies to first of all get the engagement, but also to make sure that the right people get to see it, but also that the conversations are getting started with the right people. So it's really, like, it's basically we turn people into a LinkedIn influencer, but then you just think about, like, girls in yoga pants, so, so that's why we changed it up to a thought leader. <laughs> uh, right, right. With the focus on generating leads as that's well. That's a mouthful. So basically, uh, a LinkedIn influencer that's, you know, relevant to yeah. their own industry, uh, not in the sense of a yoga pants wearing uh, influencer, but uh, on LinkedIn, that's exactly. a whole other thing, right? Exactly. And uh, you're doing a lot of personal branding yeah. yourself. Uh, has it paid off for you? And do you advise basically anyone to build their personal brand? Like, yeah. what are the like requirements to build that personal brand? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, has it paid off? Um, yes, because all our leads come from my personal brands. Because what we figured out is that so we haven't even gotten to building a website yet. Just because I know every time I write a post, I'm gonna get some really nice high highly qualified, warm leads. So I'm like, okay, I could spend 10 hours writing a website, I could spend 10 hours writing 20 posts, and I know we're gonna get all the leads that we need. Right. Uh, so for me, personally, the personal brand has definitely paid off in dividends. Um, but yeah, yeah I, would, I would advise most people to get started with a personal brand, um, because it's like, if you think about it, it's a little bit like an, if you're in high school, some people, everybody knows them, oh, that's the cool kid, that's, plays Dungeons and Dragons, I don't think that's how it works. But like everybody knows, okay, that's the person who does this, and that's the person that does that. And then if somebody needs something that requires that specific type of expertise, people always come to you and ask you. Basically being the top of mind person, yeah. 
uh, in that specific category, right? So you're building like reputations, you're making people that cool kid as you're uh, referring to it. Exactly. But what does this mean for you? Like, what does it mean? I, because the question came from, I saw you posted your type of definition of being an industry leader, but what yeah. does this really mean to you, basically? So, so I really like to use the word thought leader. I think it's a much cooler word than influencer or industry leader. Right. Uh, <laughs> industry leader is actually just as cool. But uh, so what I believe is that when you have a community, is there's kind of like the collective subconsciousness. Um, and so everybody's thinking all sort of things. They're getting frustrated with things. They're interested in certain stuff. But people are not always ready to express these thoughts um, adequately. So what happens is a thought leader is somebody that takes what everybody's thinking about and then starts the conversation by expressing it in a more concise, effective way than other people. Uh, and I think that one of the misconceptions about this is that it do you, you don't need to be the most knowledgeable person in the industry to be a thought leader, but you gotta be a part of all these conversations. So every little community is like, let's say our, our community, the B2B lead generation and, and marketing community, uh, we're talking, thinking about certain stuff, right? Some people are talking about LinkedIn automation is it good or bad, right? And it's, there's no real right answer. But if I start giving my opinion and people see, oh, that is something Stafford knows right. about, that's when they're going to come to me for those questions in the future. So even if you're not a Harvard graduate or whatever, if you, ha if you spend a lot of time thinking about something and then you become a part of those conversations, people remember that and it gives you a voice and it just draws like-minded people and potential customers towards you. Right, so basically my main takeaway of this is like, as a thought leader, you don't have to be the most knowledgeable person. You just need to have like really feeling what's the general thought on this and you need to take that stage and the mic and basically give the opinion the general public is thinking, exactly. but not always speaking out basically. So yeah, it's it just becoming part of that conversation and having an opinion and that automatically gives you a voice. Right. And the voice it was is what maintains the attention and the attention if it's positioned well, it's what brings in inbound leads a lot right. of time. Just to come back to that personal brand, mm -hmm. if you are, for example, uh, an account manager yeah. and you are like more of a generalist, for example, yeah. it's a lot harder to like position yourself as that industry leader. So does it actually work for them to build a personal brand in a specific niche? And how, how does one go by that if they're a generalist, basically? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good question. And Thank God you sent it to me beforehand because I spent a lot of time <laughs> thinking about this. Um, really, my opinion about this is that you build your personal brand and you get the attention by becoming a part of the conversation and creating good, interesting content. And then just by mentioning here and there what it is that you actually do or if you're a little bit more distanced, if, if your function is, is not super close to the main function of your company, is talking a little bit about your company um, is more than enough to still drive that business. It's kind of like, is my, is my um, grandma the best sewer of the whole world? Probably not, but uh, if I have a sewing related question, I'm gonna ask her because I see her sue every once in a while. Makes sense. And I, uh, yeah, so it comes back to the previous point where you don't have to be the number one. Being top of mind yeah. in most cases is enough. 
because think about it, like so many of these influencers on LinkedIn, you have no idea what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. But if if they just position their tagline well, even if they're talking about maybe it's some, I'm not. I don't want to talk shit about anybody, but a lot of these people talk pure bullshit. And you do, but if they would just take the effort to position their tagline well, to say like, look, this is what you should come to me about. Even if they're talking about ice cream and plants all day, it's still gonna generate some level of inbound leads. Right, right. And uh, another question about like LinkedIn content marketing. Mm -hmm. It's uh, in a lot of cases, people just look at like vanity metrics, yeah. like likes and you know comments, but they don't really pay the bill at the end of the day. Yeah. So what KPIs would you advise people to measure their you know content uh, marketing strategies basically? Yeah, so, so I've spent a lot of time bothering people like Ricardo and Andre to help me come up with this answer because I've been struggling with that question for two to three years. Right. But I figured it out. Or at least I figured out what works for me. It's great to hear. So I measure a couple of things. First of all, I measure total amount of interest generated. So that means anybody that asks me about my service or if I had a website, anybody that clicks on my website, I would consider them interested. And I add those people to my CRM, which is Salesflare. Uh, then the next thing I want to measure is amount of marketing qualified deals. So I only accept discovery calls from people that uh, um, could be a potential fit. So anybody that books those calls, I count them as marketing qualified leads. If I get to the next level by sending them a proposal or a proposal call, I consider them sales qualified leads. So that's another thing um, I measure. Then I also measure amount of deals closed, obviously, because that's like the number one thing that counts. Uh, and then also the deal size. So how much are these people spending with me? And then also how fast are they spending their money? So that is the sales velocity. But then I also want to say something that I think might be a little bit controversial. Is I think those vanity metrics are, are way more important than people think. So, so I, the, the, the problem is people chase just the vanity metrics. Right. right? So they're only about getting those likes and those comments and whatever. I'm not saying that's what you're supposed to. No, you're supposed to talk, you're supposed to look primarily at the metrics I just mentioned. But what I've seen from the data I'm gathering and that I want to like bring into the world at some point is that when I get more engagement and more views, I get more inbound leads and my sales velocity actually right. goes a little bit they're faster. They're related basically. They're related, yeah. So, so definitely they're like, I think the right word is they're leading indicators for the other stuff. So if you're getting more, at the very least, relevant engagement and relevant views, a lot of times there is a business impact there. So I do think for a lot of companies, as part of their marketing arsenal, they should be doing something to get that engagement and get the community going. But I don't, but it just, they should be careful that it's not the only thing that they're doing. Right, I completely agree. I agree, like I, they don't pay the bill at the end of the day. Yeah. They don't pay the, the beers, uh, as Andrea um, always yeah. says. <laughs> it's funny. But um, you know, they can give you a good indication yeah. um, and people shouldn't be only focused on that. They should just take them yeah. into account when they're uh, looking at the indications. And, and before I was talking about anything use, uh, before my content was actually good, and before I knew what I was doing, so like two years ago, I figured out the engagement first, and this opened so many doors for me, like you wouldn't believe it. So I had my favorite author, who's like a Sunday Times best-selling author. I managed to close a deal with him before I had any experience whatsoever, purely based on the engagement I was getting on my post. So, it, so that's social proof that the engagement can give you is way more valuable than you might actually think, but you gotta combine it with talking about the right things. You gotta combine it with positioning yourself properly. Yeah.
as actual a, value. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, another question on the, the personal branding. Like, um, personal branding as an employee. Mm. Like, for example, what's your opinion on employers that don't really like their employees to be, you know, building a personal brand, for example, on LinkedIn, and when they're not really posting super relevant stuff yeah. for their company, like not yeah. company-related con uh, context, ba yeah. basically. Yeah. What so would you What would you advise, you know, those people to do? Yeah. So, so, so my coach, she tells me I gotta be show empathy for people that don't think like me, uh, and I gotta understand that people think differently from me. But I gotta say that's like the stupidest thing I ever heard in my entire life. Like I, I understand that maybe you're a little bit afraid of your employees not um, communicating your your brands in the way you want them to communicate it. But still, like those people that talk about working for you, if they have a good experience, that reflects immensely positively about your company, right? So my advice would be to actively promote them to be more active on social media and to treat them well enough and give them the tools so, so that they can do it in a proper way, right? So you tell them, hey, I love that you're talking about being with us in the office. Right. Maybe you shouldn't tell people about what the code for the safe is, but here is how we should talk about our company in a way that's gonna be helpful for anyone. Because for sure, those people will bring in business or at the very least, make it look like a nice place to work. You know, right. Because as everybody knows, recruiting is also not that easy. True, so if they do like the employer branding themselves, you know, that is really good for the company. Yeah. So basically you're encouraging it. Yeah. yeah. And, and also like one of the things that I've noticed when looking around in the industry is that a lot of the times if I'm, the people that attract me to a certain brand, like if it's personal brand based, it's not always the CEO or the founder, right? It can be like the CMO, could even just be like s s some assistant or whatever, like if they have an engaging way of being on social media and they have positioned their company a little bit inside of their messaging as well, that can attract me to a company. It doesn't need to be the CEO right. or the founder at all. And yeah. sometimes, you know, just like the office manager happens to be yeah. a great storyteller and sometimes they are, you know, really good actually for the company and, and you know, they represent the brand really well. So 100%. Okay. And just some uh, practical tip like for the people at home, the market, mm. basically a lot of B2B marketers yeah. are looking, what are your, like your three go-to tools that you cannot miss on a weekly basis, let's say, and why basically? Yeah, so it's a really good question. So I'm, I'm gonna say, first of all, I'm gonna say Zapier, just because it's the greatest tool of all time. Uh, Zapier allows you to connect multiple tools with each other. So if somebody fills, fills something in, and let's say your booking link, you can take that data and put it in your invoice program or whatever. And just being able to have all these systems do things automatically and track stuff that otherwise would be impossible to track and to take out those little micro tasks that usually take your attention and just like do it automatically for you, I think the value there is absolutely immense. So Zapier is for sure a really big one for me. Uh, then I got this other one which I, which I made a LinkedIn post about a while ago, Shield Analytics. Uh, and that tool just saves me, <laughs> well, my team, like two, three hours a week. Uh, what this tool does, it gives you basically insight into everything you do on the LinkedIn account in terms of content marketing. So it tells you how much are you posting, how is the engagement, how are the views, it even analyzes your text. It allows you to tag posts so you can see, oh, if I'm talking about um, marketing, I get less engagements, um, or I get less likes, but I get more comments or whatever. It just allows you to see what is working and what is not. And it even allows you um, 
I have like a special type of account to see data of other people's accounts. So let's say you were my client and I was helping you grow your accounts. I could see from one place all your data and I could just like see, okay, this is what we need to change immediately and it's like immensely valuable. Right, so it's a great like dashboarding app basically. Yeah. What did exactly. you use before uh, uh, that came out? Because I, I, I use it myself right now. Yeah. And I mean, bef on beforehand, you really <laughs> didn't have any alternative, so it was just spreadsheets, or what was yeah. it for you? So when I hired um, Matei, uh, the first week, or even before we hired him, we gave him one assignment. It's like, okay, so look, this is the data we, we this is the insights we need. Somehow figure this out with Google Sheets, please. And then he made like a dashboard that shows us some graphs, and right. but still somebody had to manually change everything. But yeah, maybe if, 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 if I gotta use this to make a report for my clients, and the data was filled in on a Monday, and I give him the report on Thursday, I'm already missing out on 200 engagements, which makes, me, which, makes, which makes my service look less good than it actually is. Right, so just right. the, the live dashboards that automatically updates makes it so much easier um, to... It saves a lot of time, basically. <laughs> Incredible, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what is the, the third one? Did you have one in mind? or? Yeah, um, it's, it's not necessarily a marketing tool, but it's a tool that I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of. It's called Notion.io, or is it Notion.so? Uh, but it's, 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 it allows you to build an internal Wikipedia. So it's a little bit, it's, it's basically, what's, what are those kind of apps like Asana and Basecamp called? Like a, you mean like a Trello alternative? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, so, so it's, it's really cool. So it allows you to make pages that are interlinked with each other. Right. Also allows you to make Trello boards. Also allows you to, to make some like tables and whatever. But what I like about it, it's a really easy way to structure your knowledge within a team. Right. And I, I, I'm for sure you've noticed this as well. But if, if you spend like two days figuring out how to use a new YouTube tool or whatever, uh, and then somebody new shows up, like they're gonna have no idea about what yeah. you figured out. And it, like if you're all sitting together, that's fine. But if you're 20, 30 people all of a sudden, you gotta have a way of organizing all your knowledge and then and also make it easy to use so you, okay, so that connects to this and that connects to this. And I just think that's so Basically, important. Basically, it accelerates the whole onboarding and it facilitates like the structure. It, 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 it's one place to put all the knowledge of your company together. Right, right. So that when I spend 30 minutes figuring something out, you don't have to. You can just go on the Notion page and there you will find all the information I have. And right. I might just drop a Loom video in there or whatever, but it's just like, oh, how do you do this? Made a, it's in Notion. How do I do this? It's in Notion. Right, super right. Good. That's super handy. It sounds yeah. super good. And um, another thing, like you're creating a lot of content yourself. Mm. Um, did you have like some, some go-to sources that you would advise people to like look up? Did you have like a book that really is, for example, for me, it is like Seth Godin, This Is Marketing. I think it's a great book. Did you have like these sorts of, you know, inspirations that you would advise people yeah. to look up? Some podcasts, like what is your go-to source basically? So I don't really like reading other people's stuff so much. Um, I will read Ricardo's stuff and Andre's stuff. And a couple of other people, I, I really like their stuff, so I think that would be like your own <laughs> colleagues would right, be one right. of source of inspiration for me. But what I what I really like to do, how I actually think, is I'll just look at people that seem to be doing well, and I'll just go through their entire thing. So I'll, I'll like to say the other week I looked at Mark Metry's account, the host of Top 100 Podcast, and I just scrolled through his feed, and I'm like, okay, so he's posting four times a day. Well, okay, how is he structuring it? Okay, how is the company? How is uh, 
how, how is the, how much is he talking about one topic versus another topic? Right. I'll figure out, okay, how does it look like he made this? Okay, so I figure out he's probably using Cliptomatic to put the subtitles on there. Right. So that means probably what he does is he shoots it and then he will immediately upload it from his phone and, and, and I'll go through it like this and then I'll look at somebody else and I'll see, okay, what, what are they doing? And then I emulate and I see, do I like to do it like this or do I not like to do it like this? Um, when I started, I really took a lot of inspiration from um, Charlie Price uh, from Traffic and Copy. I know, yeah, anyway, so, and I, I learned a lot from, from him because yeah. he just made it very simple for me um, to just like look at what he's doing, implement it, and then improve it. Um, and I take a lot of inspiration from people that are not marketers. So right. in terms of what I want to talk about, um, I listen to a lot of psychologists like Jordan Peterson and stuff, right. and what I'll figure out is, okay, what is happening? What is everybody thinking about, and what is everybody struggling with? And then how do I attach that to what I'm doing, and how do I attach that to my personal story, and then that turns into a coherent post. Right, so basically you're, you're getting inspiration elsewhere, outside of your own industry, and you look at ways to apply it in your yeah. own in industry, basically. And I saw that you uh, recently posted something about uh, starting some sort of book review, book club. Oh, yeah. What was that about, and how can people that would be interested uh, join that? Well, so, so we haven't launched it yet. But what I figured out is that you don't only need people in your team that know a lot of stuff and know good stuff. Like, that's super important, right? But they also got to speak the same language. Right. Right? So if you have your language around content marketing, and I have my language around content marketing, and I tell you, or you tell me, like, oh, please do this or do that, and then you got to be like, oh, what does that word mean, whatever, right. that doesn't work at all. So what I figured is like, okay, so where do, I get, where, do I, where do I get my language from? And it's from like a specific set of books. So what we've started doing internally and, and I've been telling my team, hey, please read this book, please read this book, please read this book. Nothing. So, so I was like, right. okay, so here's what we're going to do, right? So you're going to read the book, I'm going to read the book, Sadi's going to read the book, and then we're just going to get together once every two weeks or whatever, and we're going to discuss those books. Yeah. Once we had our first book meeting, everyone was like blown away, like, wow, we are so interesting. <laughs> no, everybody was like, actually, there's some good stuff that's being said here. So our idea is to start live streaming those once every two weeks and then to announce to people which book we're going to be reading, uh, but I haven't set up anything right, so whatsoever. Basically, it's really important for you to have like a similar culture yeah. and that everybody speaks a little bit of the same language, so communication-wise, it goes a little bit smoother. Yeah, and exactly. And also, the, the language, but also the, the books you read and in which order, it drives a lot of how much importance you put on certain aspects of something, right? So, so for example, I may, might read some copy that my team has read and said, look, it's brilliantly written, you're talking about some interesting stuff, but I don't think you're utilizing the Unity trigger as much as you could. And me just saying, use Unity trigger, even if you, I, even if you understand what it means, there's no, there's no significance to it. Right. But if you've read this long ass chapter in Persuasion about why Unity is so important, you're gonna be like, oh shit, yeah, I gotta, I gotta really implement this into. You know that the empathy yeah. is put on that, yeah. yeah. So, so having all that background knowledge of why something is so important, despite just knowing technically how it works, also helps with communication. So it's not just right. language, but also seeing what is significant and why I think some, or why they think something significant, 
and just makes the communication more smooth right. as well. Makes a lot of sense. Let's zoom out like for a second. It, I really like to ask this question all the time, yeah. like to our guests, and uh, it's a really fundamental one. Basically, did you go through like some sort of experience in your career that, or outside of your career, that basically changed the way you look at things, like a mindset shift, the way you look at things, and it really influenced like basically everything you do right now. Do you have like something in your mind? Yeah, I got way too many of these. <laughs> like, like, I, 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 like people that work with me and then know me, they'll, they'll know that whenever I, I, get, I get really excited about ideas and I'll be like, ooh, 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 you know what? And then I'll just like talk about my latest insight. But uh, one thing I was thinking about in terms of like this conversation is just like how becoming a thought leader or becoming a thought leader or being seen as an expert, how just talking about something is what makes you the expert. Right. It just like, doesn't make you the most knowledgeable person, but it makes everybody else know, okay, so Nick, he works with this or he's interested in this or, or whatever, and if I ever have this kind of issue, I'll ask him. So just getting that engagement well, and talking about something has a way bigger impact on other people's psychology than you might possibly think. A lot of people, they'll be a little bit insecure about posting before they start. They'll be like, oh, is this really smart enough? Is this really clever enough? Am I saying the right thing? Honestly, nobody expects you to say the perfect thing because everybody understands that nobody knows everything. Right. But just when I first realized, and this was when I, I realized this when I was just like, I, I read a book, I made a post about the book. I read another book, I made another post about the book. And I was completely honest about this. I'm like, yo guys, this is what I'm reading and I, I thought I'd share. And just from synthesizing this information, people started coming to me. Hey, stuff, I got some marketing problem. Crazy. Hey, stuff, yeah. I got some content problem. And I was like, sure, I'll help you, right? But I wasn't like, the, I wasn't like Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever. Yeah. I was just a guy talking about this. And I, and I think people kind of know this, but when you really get it, that just talking about it already drives so much progress. What do you think, like, because uh, there's a lot of people that are an expert but just don't really dare to take that step to step up. But is that, like, in their personality? Is that their confidence? Like, what do you think that keeps a lot of people from, you know, taking that step and actually, you know, speaking out what they think, basically? Pro probably part of it is temperamental. So, so like, if you, if you subscribe to the Big Five theory of personalities, if you're, mo if you're higher in extroversion, and lower in introversion, then you'll probably be very likely to want to talk all the time. Like, you, you, good luck getting me to stop talking, you know? So, so this is for me, it's just an extension. It natural, basically. It's an extension of my personality. Right. So probably some people who are more introverted, it doesn't come naturally for them. That's the one thing. Second thing is probably some insecurities there. People are a little bit anxious about talking about stuff and sharing. They might think it's not good enough. Right. Uh, so that will be definitely be a second one. And the third one, I just don't think people understand the true value of it. The upside is just, yeah. it's ridiculous, right? If it's you start doing yeah. it, basically you build your whole, whole career uh, yeah. on it basically right now, so. Yeah, and I was just a guy coming from the gym wrestling my pajamas, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, but you're laughing, right. but that's exactly what happened. Yeah, like no, I was it's <laughs> true, that's true, that's true. <laughs> it's like, how, how many people are, are in, in your company at the moment? You're, you're pretty small, right? Yeah, 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 we're only th uh, four right now. Four people, yes. and still you are, you, one of your main responsibilities is handling the podcast. Right, right. So, so, so if people listen to this, they already know you're a really great mar that you're a great marketing team and you've decided to pretty much put one-fourth of your entire amount of efforts into doing a podcast. True. So, so that should be more than proof enough for anybody listening to this 
how important this is. Like four yeah. people, you cannot get that much work done by four people. That's and true. still you've decided to invest so much effort just in podcasts and contents. It, it's, proof, it's, it's proof enough, you know? Completely true. Uh, listen, to like conclude this, if people have any questions, it's basically a rhetorical question, but if people have any questions, where do they find you and can they post them to you? Yeah, so um, the best place to hit me up is either on LinkedIn on my personal profile or on Facebook on my personal profile. If you connect with me on LinkedIn, you're gonna get a really funny welcome message from me. Uh, it's gonna make you laugh a lot. So I would definitely uh, advise anybody to reach out <laughs> to me on LinkedIn. You can currently not find me on my website <laughs> because I haven't finished it yet. But as soon as I finish it, you're gonna be able to find me at themarketingfamily.com. Awesome, awesome. Or you could email me at staffo at themarketingfamily.com. That works too. Awesome. All right, Staffo, thanks a lot uh, yes, for being you. here. And uh, yeah, this was uh, our episode. And uh, see you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening to the Full Funnel Marketing Podcast. Subscribe if you like to see more interviews with executives and thought leaders discussing topics on how to grow your B2B SaaS company with Full Funnel Marketing. Hope to see you at our next podcast.